from him who in your baptism gave you the gift of his life, his death, and his resurrection. From him be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Our text for this morning is our gospel lesson, especially John's words when he says, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. This is our text. There was once a congregation that decided to remodel their entire sanctuary. And part of that remodeling project meant that they wanted to replace their baptismal font as well. So that it would be something almost as striking as what we have here at Ascension. Well, they went through the whole process. They remodeled the entire sanctuary. They put in the brand new baptismal font. And then, as you have to do these days, they had the county inspector come in to make sure that everything was okay so that they could take occupancy of the new sanctuary once it was completed. And as the inspector came in, he inspected everything, and ultimately he inspected the baptismal font and would not get, grant them the certificate of being able to occupy the place. He told the building committee that he couldn't do it because the baptismal font required its own septic tank. You can imagine the building committee's response to that. They were not too happy about it, and so they asked the inspector, why do we need a septic tank for a baptismal font? And he told them that it's to avoid the pollution of the ground. And so one of the members of the committee smiled and said, I guess it would pollute the ground to have the, all those sins washed into it. Isn't that one of the great and awesome surprises of baptism? In fact, it surprises us so much to know that all of our sins are forgiven by the grace of God's love for us in our baptism, that we sometimes have a hard time believing that. To think and know and trust that our sins are washed away in holy baptism is one of the great miracles of the faith. It is surprising, and it is one of life's most pleasant surprises. Just as Jesus himself was an incredible and pleasant surprise to John the Baptist as he went out into the wilderness and was baptizing people in the Jordan River. As the Gospel of Luke tells of Jesus' baptism, there's a distinct picture drawn here between the baptism of all the people who are coming out to be baptized by John and the baptism of Jesus as John baptize his, baptizes him. It's easy to miss the distinction especially if we've heard this story so many times over and over again throughout the course of our lives. As John comes on the scene, people wonder whether he is the promised Messiah. They see this incredible man out in the wilderness preaching this powerful message, baptizing people in the Jordan River, but John quickly corrects that idea. With humility, he pronounces that the one who is coming is far, far greater than he. The one who is coming, John is not worthy even to be in the presence of. He can't even stoop down and tie his sandal. 
in the presence of Jesus, John is humble. He gets himself out of the picture right away. But in doing so, he pictures himself, he fancies himself to be John the fiery prophet. The coming Messiah, he says, is about to dig his winnowing fork into the ground and he's going to throw all the chaff into an unquenchable fire. As the forerunner sent by God, John's baptism is different than the baptism that we know about, the baptism that we would witness here at church. When John gets into the waters of the Jordan River with the people who streamed out from Jerusalem to hear him, he was cleaning them up for their appearance, for their audience with God. John called for repentance. And he wasn't above scaring people half to death when he was calling them into that repentance, calling them to make a complete turnaround in their lives, if that's what it took. John was very passionate about his call to be a prophet. And Jesus, of course, named him to be the greatest of all the prophets. John was like a pit bull that was sent by God to jolt the people out of their complacency, out of walking their way through life, confusing their own ways with God's ways. That was the importance of John's ministry. But as Jesus said, even the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. So what does this all mean? Well, this is where the baptismal surprise of Jesus comes in. It means that already in Jesus' baptism, John is beginning to see and paint the picture of God's judgment for the world. But we have far more than that in Jesus' baptism. We have the greater mercy, the greater grace, the forgiveness for all people. We hear the voice of God coming from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. That was the surprise. This was the contrast, the most important part of Jesus' baptism. Before talking about what he's going to do, the baptism of Jesus tells us who he is. He's God's most beloved Son. He's the anointed one. He's the one who was promised from of old, and he is the fulfillment of that promise. And he comes as the fulfillment of all the prophets of God. He's the one to whom John pointed, but he is far more than even John could have ever envisioned. Jesus continues the ministry of John and of all the prophets in a new way, in a creative way, in a way that nobody would have ever expected. Jesus' baptism reveals his identity. The heavens open up and the Spirit of God comes down in the form of a dove and God shows us his Son. He is the Beloved. And the Father's delight is in Jesus as it is in no other. And Jesus' baptism is also the beginning of his ministry. From this day forward, he sets his face to the cross. He sets his face to the place where he will take on the sins of the world. And as he carries out his ministry, his identity becomes more and more revealed. The disciples begin to understand more and more who he is. He becomes the baptized and beloved 
father, for the sick, for the outcasts, for the lost sheep of Israel, for the Gentiles, he becomes the one who redeems all sinners. In the same way that John was the forerunner of Jesus, Jesus' baptism is the forerunner of his cross. In fact, he speaks of the giving of his life as a baptism. He warns his disciples not to think that they can perform a baptism like him. John would never have dreamed that Jesus would have ended up on a cross, but he does. And there he takes on your sin and my sin. He is the beloved son of God there on the cross. He is the victor hanging dead on the cross. He is the one who occupies our tomb, lying dead in that tomb. And he is the one who rises again from the dead to bring life and light for all people. And so most of all, he is our savior. And all of this forgiving grace flows out of and from the baptism of Jesus. This is why the Father sent him. Last night we had a baptism here in church. We frequently have the opportunity to witness baptisms here at church. And when we, when we wit witness those baptisms, we are witnessing the most significant day in a person's life. The day of your baptism is your most significant day but to look at the way that it's often practiced in our day and age is to see that it's often been demoted in the church and in our society how often have we seen parents bring their children to the baptismal font making vows and promises to see to it that they are raised in the church that they are brought up in the faith and then we never see those parents or those children again Baptism, of course, is the work of God. In fact, when Jesus instituted baptism, he said that there are two key components to it. Go and make disciples of all nations by baptizing and teaching them. And so when there is a baptism, there is also education about Jesus and who he is and what he has done for us. And that includes weekly worship attendance. It includes Bible study and Sunday school. It includes a disciplined prayer life and devotional life in the home. Baptism joins us with God's people and brings us into God's kingdom. It marks our entry into the church. We don't just call it a christening. A christening is for boats. People are baptized. We call it a baptism the washing of regeneration and renewal in the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins, for lifelong journey of faith. Baptism keeps us thankful in days of great blessing. And baptism pulls us through in the days when they are dark and we are in need and when we have trial and setback. Baptism is our last and best hope as we die to this world and enter life with Jesus, the life that he has prepared for all those who own his saving name. Author Chad Bird so eloquently describes the incredible benefit of our baptism in this passage that I love so much. There has been only one baptism in the history of the world, the baptism of Jesus. 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism. In our baptisms, we stream into the Jordan of the one baptism of Jesus. And in those waters, we are nailed to his cross and washed out the door of his tomb. Within his wounds, we safely hide. Our lives are his and his our own. It is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. For we have died and our lives are hidden with Christ and God. And so with Adam and Eve, with Abraham and Sarah, with Jacob and Joseph, we sing, with Christ I have been crucified. He alone is my comfort, my hope, my love, my life. Are you the parent of a child who has been baptized? I want to encourage you this morning to remember the vows that you made. When you spoke those vows for that child, to put the scriptures in their hand, to teach them the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, to model for them the daily Christ-like living, to have a devotional life, to have a prayer life, to bring them the Sunday school and confirmation classes, to help them remember that they are baptized children of God and to celebrate that fact. In our home, as our children were growing up, we had a separate baptismal celebration with a cake and a candle, the candle that was lit the day that they were baptized, to help them remember not just their physical birthday, but their birth into life everlasting that began the day that they were baptized. I'm sure that many of you here today are also sponsors to children who have been baptized. You are godparents. And I want to encourage you today to also remember the vows that you spoke when you witnessed that child's baptism. And if it is necessary for you to step in, if the parents have shirked their duties, step in and remind the parents that this child is to be brought up in the faith. You model a godlike life for them, a living uh, a living of life like Christ outside of just the church on Sunday. You embody the family of the church to your Godchild. Let your light shine to them. And as you do, remember the consolation and the faith and the forgiveness that was given to you in your own baptism. When Jesus came to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, no one was more surprised than that rugged prophet who went out into the wilderness and called people forth for repentance. John the Baptist met in Jesus not a bigger pit bull than he. He met one who was gentle like a child. One whose grace and strength forgave and filled with faith even John. And not just John, but you too. In your baptism, Jesus said to you, you are my beloved child. In you, I am well pleased. And when the Father looks at you, he sees Jesus, his beloved son. And in him, he is well pleased. And so you are God's loved and forgiven child today, tomorrow, and always. Amen.